Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Empire. Play Fantasy Spaceball Show with D. Mindy. Little Cheesecake and Doc starts now. Welcome to man. Loves his golf, pizza, and nachos more than your fantasy baseball team. Loves hitting dingers. He's accumulated 113 wins, a 4-5-1 ERA, and over 1,100 strikeouts, 1,192 to be exact, in his 12-year Major League career where he was a 2003 All-Star and National League wins leader. This man is a husband, father of three, and dominates with his driver like he did with a baseball. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the man, the myth, the legend himself, Russ Ortiz. How's it going, man? Good, good. I love that intro. I got to keep that one. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> of course, man. I uh, loved watching you play. It was like right when Doc and myself both kind of started watching baseball. Uh, yeah. So being able to talk with you is kind of bringing stuff to our childhood and great career <laughs> to talk about. So right off the bat, man, we got to start. Of course, we got to take you back a little bit to high school where okay. you went to Montclair School in Best Noise. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Eng- English is my second language. <laughs> uh, but then you go to the University of Oklahoma and you uh-huh. actually go to the College World Series in 1994. And you did well there. You had 38 innings, three saves, and 30 strikeouts. Can you talk about the rush from when you go to high school to college and then you win the College World Series once you get there? Yeah, well, high school, I mean, our, our, our school was small. Uh, I got, you know, I got there um, by the help of a lot of people. Um, you know, we could, it's a private school, so I, you know, we couldn't afford it. But uh, so we, we had to have some financial help and, um, but it was a great sports school, uh, a great sports school, uh, baseball, football, basketball, and, um, especially for, for the boys. So, um, so yeah, I had a great time there, great coaches and set that set my foundation baseball wise and got a scholarship to University of Oklahoma. And, you know, coming from high school where, uh, in San Fernando Valley, uh, in, in Southern California and, and even kind of in, in the whole S- Southern California section, uh, you know, I was one of the best pitchers, especially my junior or senior year. And so going into college, you, you know, you, you start hanging and seeing other guys that were the best in their area as well. And so, uh, so right away, I, I saw a lot of pitchers that did some things that I couldn't do yet. Um, and so, so I knew right away that I was going to have to, to learn fast and, and I was going to have to improve on a lot of areas, you know, my fastball, uh, my command, my strength, my stamina, et cetera. And, uh, and then my game knowledge. And so, um, so going, 
coming from a, a, a great sports school, doing well my high school career, and then you know stepping uh, on campus at OU, feeling kind of like, well, I'm just kind of, I'm just mixing in here. I'm not a well-known face here, and and I'm not definitely the best pitcher here. And so, um, so it was a challenge for me that, that, uh, you know, I was willing to take on and, and my whole dream was to make it to the major league. So, so this was that next step to get in there. And if I, if I didn't improve in a, in a lot of areas, like everybody wants to, um, I wasn't going to be able to achieve that dream. And so, um, you know, but it's, it's pretty cool going from a, a, a great high school program to a college, uh, that's well known for football, especially and basketball, and then baseball. Um, they won a, They had won a national championship uh, years, uh, I think, in the fifties, I believe. I think fifty-one. I want to say, but um, but with this new new coaching staff, um, they had gone to the College World Series in ninety in ninety-one, and so there was a lot of great things happening, and so. A lot of excitement um, going into there, and uh, so now once you step on campus, the goal is to win the College World Series, and that was our goal. And we got to get there in, in 1994, my sophomore year, um, and win the national championship, and which is an amazing thing. You know, like I said, we we had a great sports program in, in high school, great baseball program, and we won our uh, CIF. Um, championship two years in a row, and uh, I, that was a big deal. But then winning the College World Series was unbelievable, and it's it's something that you watch on TV. And you know when you get to do that. Unfortunately, I didn't get to pitch in that, that World Series. We our pitchers did so well that we only used a, a few pitchers. But uh, but at the end of the day, it was it was you know it's a dream come true. That was the second second step. You know, first was to get a scholarship then it was a win the college world series and then the last step was you know getting drafted yeah and you looted right to it man it's like you've read my note sheet you got drafted by the san francisco giants in the fourth round of the 95 yeah. major league draft actually as a closer and then right. you were converted to the starting rotation in the farm system making your major league debut three years later in 1998 in relief four strikeouts over two innings i know it's cliche but tell us about that first game in the major leagues under the lights, what was that like? Yeah, well, real quick, I'll say when I when I got drafted, I you know we went to the College World Series in my junior year that next year, so I I got the call while we were in Omaha, and uh, right then and there I knew I'm signing. Well, once I heard I got drafted in the fourth round, I was like, okay, I'm this is it. This is <laughs> this is what I've been working for, you know, um, to get drafted my junior year and go start a professional career, and so. So right then and there, I knew, um, you know, one of the um, levels of of my dreams was 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 hit, and um, so you know, going and you know, signing and getting starting my professional career um, in the minor leagues. Obviously, again, trying to do everything I can to improve, improve, and and working my way up, and and yeah, I was in minor leagues for two and a half years, and. Uh, I actually got called up and put on the opening day roster the, on opening day that morning, um, which was kind of crazy. You know, I got a 
it's like a 6 a.m. wake up call here in Arizona, uh, being told that I got put on the roster, uh, and, uh, had to get to the airport like in two hours for a flight, uh, to make it to Houston, uh, to play in the Astrodome, which is an iconic stadium. And so, so I get there and talk to Dusty Baker and he, um, he gave me some great advice, which was, you know, whenever you get your, your time to, to throw, you go out to, out to the field. Um, he's like, take a look around, enjoy the moment and all that. Finish your warm ups. They'll, uh, you know, call the, or say the name of the, the batter is coming up. Um, look at him, give him his, his due, you know, the credit that he's due because he's earned it just like you have. And then he said, just, and then just let it go and get to work. And, and I thought that was so cool because, you know, he wanted me to enjoy that moment. And so, um, so I remember like I, I got loose really fast and, and, you know, when they told me I was going in and I got warm really fast and the guy in the bullpen had to tell me to slow down because, <laughs> uh, you know, just so much adrenaline was flowing and, and, so I got to start the inning that and a lot of times you'll see that, you know, a lot of times with guys first outings, they'll, they'll make them, they won't make them go in the middle of an inning. They'll have them start an inning. And so, um, so that's what he, he did for me. And so I started the eighth inning and came out and man, just, I, I did exactly what he did. I, I got out there. I took a look around. Enjoyed the moment, finished my warm up pitches. Um, and it was one of those things where I, you know, I literally thought to myself, like, I can't believe like I'm doing this. This is unreal. Like this is, you know, you think about since I was five, that's all I wanted to do. And you, and you think about that in, in a span of like five seconds of like, this is, you know, go through the whole life, my whole life. And, you know, with the, you know, picture book and just, just, each page is turning as fast as possibly can to get to this moment. And, um, they announced, uh, my first hitter is Sean Barry and coincidentally who I played at OU with his brother. Uh, so that's pretty cool. And, uh, again, Hey, gave, acknowledged him, you know, gave him his, his due, uh, the credit that he was due. Cause he, you know, he's earned it. He's there. And I literally, he's like, all right, let's time, it's time to get to work. And, um, and I struck him out. And so I was going to say at the ending, right? Yeah. That's so that was a great way. Yeah. A great way to start, start it. Um, and I know we'll get more to my career, but I think I, I struck out my last hitter my, I ever faced in the major leagues as well. So, um, I'm, I'm 99% sure I did. So, um, so I was like, that's pretty cool to be able to book in, you know, the starting end of my career with strikeouts. That's that's professional. That's a good tease oh. right there. How we get to the end, get to talk yeah. about stuff like that. Uh, I want to go back to 1999 for a second, where you kind of been in the major leagues. You got to kind of get your feet wet a little bit. You jump into the Giants rotation and burst on the scene as one of the premier starters in the National League. 18 wins, which was fourth in the National League. But then things got a little rocky in 2000, and very yeah. weirdly. Uh, you got rocked hard before the All-Star break. You had three wins, eight losses, and a 7.55 ERA. And reportedly, you fell out of favor with manager Dusty Baker. What specifically, because we're going to get to what happened after that point, uh, but what specifically at that part of your career, why do you think you were struggling? 
Uh, I think I struggled because um, I put too much pressure on myself, you know, coming off of the 99 season where, you know, as, uh, you know, had 18 wins and um, learned a lot and tried to take that into the start of 2000. And, and I was in that off season, I was able to sign a, you know, a, a long-term deal with the giants. Um, you know, they approached us, us and we got a deal done. And so it was one of those things where I made the mistake of putting a lot of pressure on myself to live up to something that I didn't need, need to live up to. Uh, I just needed to go out and just keep pitching, you know, like I know how to pitch and, uh, didn't, you know, not trying to do extra, do more than that. And, um, but that's, that's what I did. And that, you know, so I, I created all of that, you know, in my head and no one else created it for me, but and so I created it in my head. And so, you know, once I started to struggle, it's really hard to, um, to understand that, you know, they're just, Every, every, everything I think with pitching is just such a slight adjustment, small adjustment that, but when you're struggling that bad, it's hard to really understand that and see that no matter if someone tells you that or not. And, uh, so I was trying to make these big leaps with adjust, adjustments. And so it was kind of, you know, I was teetering this way and then I was, I got to go way this way. And then now I'm trying to get back to, you know, to center again and, but I'm making these big leaps back and forth and, uh, it just made it harder. And, and yeah, I mean, Dusty, Dusty came up to me at one point and said, look, he's just like, uh, I'm getting a lot of pressure. They want me, you know, it was, they, they want me to take you out of the rotation, but I, you know, I believe in you. And, uh, you know, he, and so he kept me in the rotation and, and I, I would love to say that after that talk, you know, I got things going again and, and, uh, it, you know, worked out, but I didn't, unfortunately. And, uh, so at the, I think at the all-star break, um, or before the all-star break, he said, Hey, I have to do it. I, you know, he goes, I've, I've, you know, it's time. I have to, uh, you know, for the, for the team, um, cause, can't just keep running me out there, you know, and, and the team not have confidence in me. So, so he put me in the bullpen and I was like, Hey, I don't blame you. Um, cause it was bad, you know, and, um, uh, Joe Nathan, who became a great closer, um, he took my spot in the rotation and the, his first start, uh, after the all-star break, he got hurt. He he had to come out, I think in the second inning. And so I came in. And I threw, I think five or six innings of, and pitched great because once I went to the bullpen, I had talks with, you know, the pitching coach, other coaches, and they're, you know, they were great with me. And, and every, everybody was basically saying like, look, just, just throw to the glove. That's it. Throw the glove. You know, and like I said, when you're struggling, it's hard to just simplify it like that. So, so I said, you know, I'm just going to go out and I'm just going to throw the glove. And I threw, I think five or six or eight innings. Joe was hurt. So I stayed in a rotation. And then I think I ended up winning 10, getting 10 wins that second half, mm -hmm. I believe. Yeah. I was like 10 and two, I think. And, um, and that turned everything around again. And, uh, 
you know, so it's, it's amazing when, you know, you, you're able to simplify things and you realize that you're everything you've trained yourself for, for years takes over. Um, and when you're fighting against that, you know, you, you don't, it's hard to understand that you just need to let it go and just do what you've been training to do. Um, and so that's what I did and, and things turned around and, you know, was able to have a great second half and help, help the team. Um, you ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You know, get to the playoffs and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, you finish that year, you get, like you said, 10 wins, a 3-2-2 ERA get into the help the Giants get into the National League playoffs then the next year you went 17 and 9 with a 329 ERA and that squad if I'm not mistaken with your 218 and two-thirds innings and 169 strikeouts both career highs you were able to help them reach the World Series that year and in 2002 if I'm not mistaken one of our friends that's a big Giants fan had a question and he was curious in that World Series game where you were pitching what did you say to Dusty or what did Dusty say to you that you could stay in that game when he came out to get you? You remember? Yeah, uh, sort of. <laughs> um, you know, cause yeah, 2001, I had a great year. In 2002, I actually, I actually pitched well. I just, mm-hmm. I just didn't have the win numbers, um, you know, that I did the, the previous year. I mean, but I actually pitched well enough to, to win, you know, 17, 18 games again, but, um, which didn't matter. I I wasn't worried about my my win column numbers personally. Is about the team win column numbers, you know. And that that's one thing I've always been proud of is that, you know, I'm pretty confident. Say that you know you look at my wins, and I always forget. I you said it's 113, um, I believe. And so, um, but I, I've always would love to find out like how many how many team wins did the team have when I was able to start, you know, I mean, cause that's the number that means the more, the most to me is that is like when I started, how many wins did our team get, you know, to be able to contribute to that. And so, so yeah. So once we got to the world series and, you know, the guys put us in a position to, to be up three to three games to two. Um, and I got to start that game and, and throw probably my first or second best game ever that I've thrown um, and to do it on that stage. Uh, so when, when uh, the guy got a single who was actually my teammate at Montclair prep, uh, he's a year younger, but we played three years together in high school, Brad Fulmer. He, he, he was the guy that got the base hit that, that when I got taken out. So, so that was another cool thing. Um, you know, about that world series, but, but Dusty came out. I mean, the guys came, you know, and from the infield came over and told me good job and all that. I, I, I thought Dusty called for, to the bullpen as soon as he got out of the dugout. Um, 
And I'm still not 100% sure if he did or not. But so I, I thought he did. I thought I saw his arm go up. So right then and there, I was like, well, I'm out. So there's really nothing to say because once you call a bullpen, you have to make a change. So, um, so I thought I was out and that game is one of those games where, you know, when you talk about tunnel vision, that was one of those games where I didn't hear anything at all. Um, and people that were at the stadium talk about how loud it was with those thunder sticks and all that stuff. Um, and I didn't hear any of that at all until I was walking off the mound. Um, after, you know, Dusty came, but he came and got me. He just said, you know, Hey, great job. I think, you know, I think that's what he said. Great job and all that stuff. Everybody's pat me on the back and I just gave him the ball. Like I was still kind of in that tunnel vision and I just gave him, handed him the ball and took, I think one big step and he grabbed me and he said, here, um, I want you to have this. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And if you look, ever look at the video, you can just see me looking at him and be like, okay. And then walk off, you know, and that was it. Um, and then, you know, the rest is, rest is history and stuff. And, you know, so that's, that's one of the biggest questions I get is, you know, one, do I still have the ball? Which is yes. And then two, um, you know, should have he, should he have taken me out? Stuff like that. And, um, but, you know, a lot of people were mad for a lot of years, uh, because they look at that. He was giving me the game ball and that we had won and he was kind of celebrating that and which mm-hmm. is not what happened. Um, but, uh, because we lost, you know, we ended up losing. We were winning five nothing at the time. We ended up losing that game, losing game seven, um, and didn't win the World Series. So, so it's one of those game, one of those series that people, you know, pinpoint like, you know, that was the moment that everything changed and, um, you know, things got jinxed or whatever you want to call it. Russ, I, Russ, I, 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 I think it was. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I haven't had. Haven't had you. All right, dog. All right, dog you're dog, muting you're yourself. yourself. You. <laughs> I don't know what's with his uh, thing. Um. So quickly, then you go from the Giants. You get traded to Atlanta. Do you remember for which two guys you got traded for? Uh, I w- I know Damian Moss. I know that. Um, and I want to say the the guy's last name is Valdez. You're right. Same guy, Merkin Valdez. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty good memory. Uh, you go to Atlanta for those two guys. You unite with pitching guru Leo Mazzoni. Yep. And you put together a spectacular year, arguably your best season. I mean, 21 and 7, 381 ERA. You got an all star appearance, and you were the ace of that brave staff that won their 12th consecutive NL East title. You went, you took fourth in the NL Cy Young voting that year, and you kind of demonstrated how far you had come. What was it about the change in Serene? Was it working with, with Leo? Was it, you know, just having different guys there working, maybe, a, a, you know, a different approach that you didn't do in with the Giants, you know, uh, they talk about pitch sequencing and how some teams right, right now emphasize, you know, fast balls up, breaking balls down. Was there some type of different philosophy that was given to you or what, what was the reason for the sudden huge jump in production? Um, you know, well, like I was saying in 2002, you know, 2001, one, uh, yeah, 17. And then 2002, I was like, 
I, I could have won 17, 18 games again, um, you know, just to got no decision. So, um, so to, for me, it was just the little, the little things that Leo helped me with just to add on to what Ron Paranoski and Dave Rigetti already helped me with, as well as all the other pitchers in the, in the rotation and the bullpen and, and the, my position players. He just added, he just kept adding to that. Um, and one of the biggest things that he did for me was he helped me prepare in between starts, um, better. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, Ron Paranowski or Dave Rigetti, uh, didn't help me. They, they helped me prepare really well um, for for my starts. But Leo just made a suggestion to say, hey, maybe try this and maybe that will help, you know, help uh, you get to another level. And uh, which was just uh, getting me to throw two bullpens in between my starts is just instead of one. And so I, so I did that and that really helped me to, always feel like I had a comfortable grip on the ball um, and that I was always comfortable with my mechanics. Um, and so, so that's one of the things that he helped me with. And another thing is he was brutally honest and he was your biggest fan, but then he was going to be brutally honest. So I remember there was a time where I threw, a, I came out through a bullpen and it was a terrible bullpen and uh afterwards he's like you just wasted everybody's time i was like wait, wait what are you talking about it, you know cuz you don't hear that kind of stuff and he's like yeah he goes out you didn't make any adjustments you didn't you didn't help yourself one bit he's like this was a big waste of time and instead of me being offended i was like huh that makes sense that I came out here. I didn't get any better. The guy who was catching me, um, I wait, you know, I wasted his time. I wasted Leo's time. Um, and so that was that day I vowed like that would never happen again. And so that every bullpen session, everything, every time I play catch, it was going to be about quality. Everything was going to be about quality. And, um, so then after that, there'll be bullpens where, I'll throw 15 pitches and I'll look at him and he's like, it's good for me. I'm like, it's good for me too. All right, we're done. You know, instead of, oh, well, I got to throw 25 or 30 pitches for this bullpen, stuff like that. It was just like, that looks great. Uh, why would you throw more? And I was like, yeah, you're right. So, so it, it really helped me to, to be more efficient with everything, which helped me stay stronger every start mentally and physically. And uh, I think that was one of the big differences, you know, me went in 21 games and then, and then the next year I won 15 and I, you know, and I had a sh really shaky start again, putting pressure on myself uh, because I led the league in wins. I was opening day starter, all that stuff. And I created this pressure that didn't exist. Um, and so I had a rough, go at it for a little bit, uh, ended up with 15 wins. I'm like, man, if I would have just 
went out and just pitched by like myself, like I know how, I may have won 20 games again because once I righted the ship, that's how good I felt I was. Um, but uh, so, you know, I think I won like eight games in a row one time or something like that there during that year. But, um, and, you know, but those, those were great lessons for me, you know, that year and year 2000. And uh, that uh, really helped me, you know, anytime I, I struggled with anything. Um, but unfortunately, after Atlanta um, is when I started to, you know, get hurt and wasn't able to pitch clear minded and, you know, be efficient like um, like I wanted to be. Just shows well, I, how much. I, oh, go ahead, Don. I, I was going to say, I, I think what's interesting, and you talked about this earlier, is wins. And I think analysts aren't following it as much. You know, Felix Hernandez won the Cy Young going 13 and 12. And you're kind of on both sides of the coin. 14 wins with a 501 ERA in 2000. And then 14 wins with a 361 ERA in 2003. Yeah. What I think's interesting was we have websites that go into advanced metrics. And first of all, I noticed you're a workhorse. You threw 200 innings pitched in five out of the six seasons. The one you didn't was one, uh, you threw 195. But I noticed you had the lowest ERA for a month in June at 3.86 and the highest in July at 5.86. So I imagine fatigue plays a factor, but do you think there was any other reason for the discrepancy? No, I, I think, um, I mean, honestly, you know, I, Throughout my career, when I started, there was only one game where I felt like I was fatigued. Um, you know, to be quite honest, I mean, that's, that was one thing that I was really important for me uh, was to never get tired. Um, and, you know, so there was only one game that I remember that I felt I was like, I'm done. Like I, you know, after the, I think the fifth or sixth day, I was like, I did, I'm done. And, um, uh, it's just one of those things that, you know, had never happened before. And, um, and I made sure that it didn't happen again. But so I always, I always considered myself to, you know, a workhorse to try to be someone that's, you know, that's why I, I was taught you start the game, you finish the game. And so you have to be in great physical shape to be able to do that. And so I always made sure that, you know, I was strong enough and had enough stamina you know, to, to do that. Um, I mean, I, you know, Dusty would, and Dave Rigetti would talk about, and even Leo would talk about, you know, I would get to about the 90 pitch mark and that's when I really got going, you know, and then they would see like, man, you know, this is, is like, it takes me like 80, 90 pitches to really get loose. And then, you know, I got another, uh, 30 pitches in me, you know, which, which could be another three innings. And so, um, you know, that was something that I was always really proud of is that I felt like I got stronger as the game went on. And, uh, um, so when you talk about those things, uh, if I had to guess, it was just mostly, um, teams, you know, seeing me maybe for, uh, you know, second or third time, um, and just me not doing a good job making the adjustments. Um, I always felt like I finished a year strong. Um, but, uh, 
um, you know, the teams are smart. Players are smart. And, you know, I've always, I've always said, and, and I don't know if this is my original thought or I got it from somewhere else, but I always said, you know, whoever makes the, the adjustments fastest wins. And, and so, um, any low period that I had during the season, um, was when I just didn't make adjustments, you know, and, uh, you know, people, I guess that would harp on me. Well, look, y'all look at your ERA, stuff like that. And I was like, look, man, when I pitched bad, I pitched bad. Like it was, it was bad. Um, so, uh, but when I pitched well, it was all, you know, it was, it was good. It was solid. And so, so my bad games were bad. And so for me, it was, uh, you know, I wasn't going to give in and, and give up. And so, um, you know, I'd pitch, say, three innings and give up a ton of runs. And it's just like, well, I did everything I could. Um, and, but my bad games were really bad. And so, so I, I've always looked at my career as like, yeah, my ERA is higher than I'd like it, like to see it. But, um, I mean, you look at all my bad games and they're bad. So, uh, you know, that makes your ERA, you know, shoot up pretty good. Um, and, like we were talking about in the first half of 2000, like it was just bad, you know, and, and, uh, um, you know, kind of like my 2006, when I came back from my rib injury with the Diamondbacks, it was like that. It was just bad. You know, I mean, I wasn't, I didn't have my normal stuff, you know, I was throwing really slow. My ball was moving the other way, but that was no excuse. It's just, it was just bad. And that's how, that's how my bad games went. It was, you know, they were just, they were terrible. And, uh, um, and because I walked a lot of people, even, I mean, I, I led the league in wins. I led the league in walks, you know? Um, and so, you know, a lot of times people would be like, can you imagine how many more wins you would have gotten? How many more innings you would have gotten if you walked, you know, half as many people? And I was like, I get it, but that's just how I pitched and, you know, um, that I just always, you know, battled through it and, um, and, and in my mind felt like I got it done, helped my team win a lot of games. And it's kind of, it's kind of interesting because I, I feel I like, feel like ooh, I don't know, ooh, I don't know why there's one. Try this. Um, yeah, so I, it's kind of interesting because the last couple things I was going to kind of touch on here for the back end of your career in the beginning, you talked about how your body was physically there and the stuff was there, but mentally, Sometimes you weren't, and that's why you kind of couldn't overcome that, and that was kind of why you struggled. And towards the end of your career here, you go, you have some injuries for the first time in your career. You have the rib fracture. Uh, after winning four of your first six games with the D-backs, you quite weren't the same when you came back. Right. And then you also get Tommy John surgery, which my first question is, what does it actually feel like when you need Tommy John? Because I've actually always been curious what the feeling is like. And then... Number two, do you feel like this is when you had the mental part down, but now your body wasn't cooperating? So it was kind of like the reverse from earlier in your career. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To what you just said there last was, it was frustrating, most frustrating because mentally, um, yeah, I felt like I was a lot stronger than the first half of my career. And, uh, so if I had a hiccup or a bad inning or, uh, a bad game or whatever that, um, I would be able to come back from that or, and make adjustments faster, 
you know, in game and, and from game to game. And so, so that was one of the most frustrating things. I wasn't able to go out there all the time and uh, show what I can do. And like you said, you know, I started off with the Diamondbacks. You know, I signed this nice four-year deal. Like I told you guys before, when I did that and after the 99 season, I put a lot of pressure on me, on myself. But I come in the D-backs and, and signed a nice four-year deal, and I didn't do that. And so I just went out and just pitched and, and yeah, um, uh, I think, yeah, I think we won four out of six, first six games I pitched, something like that. And, and so I was like, I'm doing what I've always been doing is, is helping our team win, you know, um, when I go out and pitch and then all of a sudden my side started hurting and, and then end up with a fracture in my rib. But, uh, and when I came back in 2006, I was throwing really slow. So I was, I was probably sitting around, you know, 90 to 92 every pitch and then would bump up, you know, at times to, to the mid nineties. And in 06, I mean, I was probably 85, 86 every pitch, uh, feeling like I was throwing mid nineties, but nothing came out. And so, so mechanically what I was doing wrong was, was not allowing me to throw hard anymore. And so from um, sometime in from 06, uh, that whole year, whatever I was doing mechanically, um, I wasn't using, and this is my theory, I wasn't using the muscles required to throw hard. And so that long layoff from using those muscles, um, because I got let go by the Diamondbacks uh, around the middle of the season in 06. Signed with the Orioles because Leo Mazzoni was the pitching coach at the Orioles at the time. And, uh, he helped me get back to what I was before. So I throw, I started throwing low to mid nineties again. Well, for almost a year, I wasn't throwing that hard and I wasn't using those muscles needed for that. So I think what happened is that just from that, all of a sudden throwing hard again, um, that, the muscles in my forearm that, you know, that connect to the elbow and all that stuff, uh, just atrophied. It just got tired and, um, was overworked and eventually gave out. And so, uh, so that's, that's what I think happened. Um, no one else has told me any different, you know, I mean, I've actually had some trainers tell me like, well, that makes sense. So, so I'm going to stick with that. Um, but you asked how, what it feels like. Um, so, uh, I'm trying to think here. Uh, like a burning um, sensation uh, in your elbow. So the first, the first time I had something, I felt something in my elbow. It was, it did burn. So, uh, we're in San Francisco. We're I was pitching against the Rockies, I believe. And about the third inning, fourth inning, I would throw a pitch with not, no pain, nothing, feeling nothing. And then after I let it go, after it got to the catch, like right as it got to the catcher, then this burning sensation in my elbow, I felt this burning sensation in my elbow, like, like if someone put a lighter on your, your elbow. Ooh. And that's, that's weird. Like, what was that? And it kept doing it every pitch. Now it didn't hurt when I threw the ball. It was happened after the fact. So I told the trainers, said, well, keep an eye on it. I think I pitched five innings. And I was like, it's just, it's still doing it. So they took me out. 
found out I had an inflamed nerve in my elbow. Went on the DL, came back from that fine, um, and uh, they took me out of the rotation. That's and then they brought up Tin Lincecum. That's when he he took my mm-hmm. place in rotation. That's when he started his major league career uh, after I went on DL. And so so I went in the bullpen. I end up popping a, a a muscle, you know, in my forearm and called a flexor mass. I threw a pitch. It felt something pop, which hurt really bad. It felt like someone stabbed me. Um, went on rehab for that. So once I went on rehab for that, uh, and I was pitching, that's when the, the real pain like happened. And so, because they would only let me take like Advil, you know, um, uh, you know, for, I couldn't take, you know, anything heavy at all because they didn't want to mask anything. Um, and so I remember, I think all three of my starts, my elbow hurt, um, but I was able to get through it. I remember I, I made a start in single A in San Jose. Um, I mean, it, it hurt so bad. Like it, I, I almost stopped. I almost stopped and just said, I can't do it. You know, I, it really felt because the flexor tendon, which connects to the, this little, that little bone on the side, inside of your elbow, that was, you know, coming off the bone. And then the, uh, the ligament, which is a Tommy John, which they replaced for Tommy John, that was getting really stretched out at the same time. And so, so when I would throw a pitch, it felt like nothing was holding my elbow. And so it felt like my elbow was going to snap every time I threw a pitch and it was a worse pain. And, um, so when I was trying to warm up for that game and a ball, I almost stopped. I mean, it hurt so bad. And like I, you know, I, I f- tears were starting to come and, and stuff. And then, uh, I just said, you know what? At that time, you know, this is 2007. I was like, I, I've had, I've been able to have, uh, you know, I think nine, nine years, almost 10 years at that time. And I'm like, well, if I stop, I'll miss for sure, miss the rest of the year. And then who knows after that? So I might as well go. And if I blow out, I blow out. So that, that was my thinking. And, and I got through the start in excruciating pain. And, uh, so then they let me start again. And actually the pain was less. And then I made a third start and the pain was a little less. And then, uh, once I got to the big leagues and then I was able to take, um, like some heavy painkillers and, and that, that worked for one game, one game I felt amazing. And then the next two, it went back to hurting like it did in that a ball game where it felt like every throw, every pitch, my elbow was just going to snap. Cause there was, I mean, it felt like nothing was holding it together. So like when I would throw, it felt like my, my arm was just going to snap. And so, uh, so I had to come out in that third start. And that, that's when I found out that, um, I needed to have the flexor tendon repaired and my ligament repaired. And, um, I, I found that out a couple of days later. Oh, man, oh, man. Well, well, so, so it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's not fun. I mean, I couldn't imagine what it feels like for guys to actually blow out where their ligament or something, at, you know, happens in the pit. I can imagine it's probably like I felt in my forearm, you know, when I felt the pop in my forearm, but, uh, um, you know, it's just 
I mean, when you're throwing every pitch and it, it really hurts and you, and it feels like your elbow is going to snap. I mean, you know, you can only imagine it's not, it's not fun. And you're trying to get major league hitters out <laughs> at the same time and, you know, try to act like it doesn't hurt. Um, you know, but, uh, so it was, it was tough. It was really tough. And, but once I got surgery, came back a year later, made the team with the Astros and I was like new again. I mean, so, um, that, that, that surgery is amazing. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, it's really a game changer, uh, honestly. And, you know, you went on, obviously, the last couple of years of your career there and still had a, a very solid 12-year major league career. Again, it just it, it, to be in the, the major leagues over a decade is a big accomplishment. But also what you're doing post-career is a big accomplishment as you're right now the creator and owner of Second Guy Golf, where 100% of your proceeds go to, uh, of your sales go to charity. Can you tell us a little bit more about this? Because it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I started. So I, um, one of my minor league coaches, he all, he encouraged all of us to get involved in the community if we ever make it to the big leagues. Um, one, it will, it'll take our mind off of, you know, the game. Um, it'll help ease pressure you know, that we may feel, um, because we're in the big leagues. And, uh, and so, so I really took that to heart. And so I, I did that as soon as I could. Um, and it made a huge difference for me. Uh, and I got to see, I, I usually, um, got involved with volunteer programs. And so I got to see people that were volunteering their time that already had families, that already had jobs, but they, they were volunteering their time for, for kids that, um, you know, had, had some struggling situations. And, and, uh, so, uh, so I, I made a point to do that my whole career. And so I wanted to continue that post career. And, um, but I, I didn't really know what to do. I'm not, I'm not someone that likes to write a check and here you go. Here's my contribution. I, I'm someone that wants to actually do stuff, um, with those organizations. And so, um, Baseball is over. It was my, my passion, you know, my whole life. And, uh, I, I've got through my career, I got to love, absolutely love golf and then love helping in a community and stuff. And so, um, so what I did is I just put those two together. You know, I wanted to do something that I knew I would enjoy. And so I just said, what can I do with golf and, and giving back? And without knowing anything about how, how to make apparel, um, you know, I, research and just try to find out as much as I could. And I went ahead and, and, and did it and started in, in the end of 2012. And, um, and yeah, be, you know, because I had a, a good career and, and made, you know, plenty of money and we saved really well that I was like, well, I don't personally need, you know, just the little money that, you know, this little tiny brand would make. So, um, Let's just give it all. So that was my goal is to help build the brand as, as best we could so that we can help more people. And, uh, 
but I will say, um, you know, unfortunately, because mainly because of, of the whole COVID situation and um, I decided that I was going to just shut it down because um, so I did that just fairly recently. Um, so we, so we had a good, uh, you know, seven and eight year run um, of the brand and helped tons and tons of people. Uh, it was awesome. It was really hard. Uh, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm really proud of, of what we did. You know, the people that worked with me, uh, what we were able to accomplish from such a little brand and, um, the, the stuff I learned about business, about learned about how to be a boss, uh, finding out all kinds of programs, uh, that people can get involved with, um, you know, making new friends, not only in the golf business, but just out in the, you know, charity world and stuff. And I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's a bummer that I, you know, I had to let it go, but, uh, at the same time, I'm like, you know, it wasn't because of anything we did. It was just the circumstances where, um, we just didn't have enough sales. All our tournament sales went away all last year, every single one of them. And so it just, you know, put our brand back, set our brand back a lot. And, uh, um, it's just going to be too much to recover. And, uh, especially now with, you know, there's, there's tons of delays, you know, with importing goods and stuff like that. And so, um, so once I heard that, uh, other companies, other brands were struggling with getting their, their apparel and stuff on time. Um, I was like, it, our, we're just a little brand and, you know, we, uh, we can't sustain this and it's not very smart to do that. And so, uh, so as of right now, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of the next thing that I can do, you know, to, to get involved and help, um, other organizations. And so right, right now, um, I'm, I'm hoping to focus a lot of time on the Miracle League here in, in Phoenix. Um, and volunteer there and see what I can do to help, help them, uh, you know, raise money. And so, you know, so if you don't know about the Miracle League, look it up. I mean, it's, it's an amazing, amazing program. So I'm sorry, David. I was gonna say, make sure to check out the Miracle League. Go ahead, doc. Well, I was going to say, speaking of post-career, uh, ventures, I mean, you have your own podcast. You're technically a competitor of ours, digging deep, (laughs) uh, where you, where you go behind, the scenes with athletes and sports writers to learn how they approach their jobs and obstacles they've overcome to get to their respective platform. What was the inspiration behind starting it? So I met Jesus Ortiz uh, when I was in Houston. You know, he's a Houston beat writer, um, and he's he's been a sports writer for for a long time and has a, a great resume. And so I met him in 2009 when I was with Houston. Uh, obviously having the same last name is a great icebreaker. And, and, uh, so I got to know him a little bit, uh, really great guy. And so we just reconnected and, you know, we kind of, we follow each other on, on social media and stuff like that and just kind of reconnected. And then, um, he, you know, we had, we just back and forth with some talks and stuff. And he's like, you know what? He's, so he started, um, uh, a company called ours esquina. So, you know, which means our corner. And so, um, for the purpose of highlighting, 
you know, the Latin community. Um, and so this, will, this is really like the first of its kind. And so he invited me to be a part of uh, a sports podcast and uh, with him, you know, getting his perspective of uh, from the journalistic side. In my perspective from, you know, the player side and, and, uh, and so, yeah, we call it digging deep because we, we try to go below the surface. Um, we try to bring out more than just, you know, regular conversation, uh, with our guests and, and, you know, hopefully ask questions and hopefully get them to talk about, um, things that they normally don't talk about and really what makes them tick, what, what drives them. Um, and what, what has helped them become successful. And, and a lot of times those things are, are failures, their hurdles, you know, big hurdles that they've had to overcome tragedies and all that stuff. And so, uh, so we're able to, to really dig deep with other people and, 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 and get, uh, hopefully get stuff that, you know, they haven't told other people, uh, during interviews and, you know, it allows us to, uh, to, to get our audience to understand, you know, why people are, are successful and what, you know, how they learn from their, the, from any mistakes or, or situations or tragedies, um, that has helped take them to, to the next level. So, um, so yeah, so we enjoy it. I'm, I'm, I'm still getting, <laughs> I'm, I'm still learning, you know, uh, but, uh, at the same time, it's been great. And, you know, Jesus has a real job with the Astros and, so they're obviously in the playoffs. And so, um, so we've done a few podcasts, you know, during the season, but, uh, um, we're going to try to get after it really heavy in the off season and, and come up with a better, better schedule during the season to, uh, map out some more too. Cause we've had some amazing guests and we hope to, to get more. Yeah. I mean, this stuff is fun, isn't it? Like just yeah. talking. I mean, we're doing that with you now. Like it's, it's absolutely fun. It's really cool the way that in this day and age, we're able to connect with all these people. And yeah. so you're, you're going through that firsthand as well. So yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a blast. I mean, you know, he's made tons of connections over the years. I've made tons of connections over the years. And so, um, especially when we get a baseball player, you know, I get to talk shop with them and, and ask them questions. Um, uh, you know, me being a fan of theirs or just, in general, like you asked me, like what, what is Tommy, you know, leading up to Tommy John, what does that feel like? I mean, it's just stuff like that to where, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've, I've actually never have been asked that question. So, so it's, it's things like that where you get to ask questions like that. And, and, um, so that, that makes a lot of fun. And, um, but I'm not on your guys' side where you guys are actually setting everything up. I, they just tell me, just like now, they just send me a link and I show up. So, um, so what you guys do. So, you know, so I, I appreciate the work that you guys put in. Hey, of course. Uh, again, for guests like you, we're very happy to do it. Digging deep in triple play fantasy are coexisting in a, in a world together. Uh, that it's, it's just, again, it's really awesome. It's fun. And there's one thing that I want to close out this interview here that we like to do a triple play fantasy to make ourselves a little unique and fun. And that's a little rapid fire. And a lot of these okay. questions are very unique. Hopefully we get one that you haven't been asked before. Read <laughs> down. All right. So All right. here we go. Number one. Would you rather throw a shutout or hit a hole in one in golf? Uh, 
Well, if I was doing both, if I was currently playing in and then playing golf, it'd be throw a shutout. Okay, fair enough. Thick or thin crust pizza? Neat. Well, I would rather prefer um, in the middle there. So not thin and not thick, but just the regular, um, regular. So, so I, I go on the thinner side, I guess. Then thick is great, but I can't do that all the time. I was going to say, I had to ask the pizza guy. I know that. Well, yeah. I mean, I love, I, yeah, I love pizza. I mean, so it's, uh, <laughs> I'm very particular. And so, uh, and, and that crust takes too long. So, so wait, since you're the pizza guy, pineapple on it, yes or no? With what else? Pineapple pepperoni, that's my combination. Uh, you, got sweet, you got the sweet and spicy. I, no, I wouldn't like that. I don't, I don't mind the, you know, Canadian bacon pineapple. Okay. Uh, that's, I, so pineapple, yes, but I mean, with, I think you have to be careful with the combos that you put it with. I, I, the Canadian bacon I like. So, yeah, I grew to love, I grew to love that. I, I didn't at first, but I was like, okay, if you do it right, then and I think everything revolves around the cheese and the sauce anyway. So. Oh, yeah. We, we could get a whole like hour on pizza. On. That's my <laughs> favorite food. We could, we could get on everything. Yeah. Uh, but I got another one for you. See blurry all the time. Or see black and white all the time. See blurry all the time or black and white. I, black and white. So at least I, I'm seeing clear. Yeah. Right. I'm with that. Talk to your past self or your future self. Oh man, that's a good one. Um probably my future self. Um uh, yeah, not the winning lottery numbers or something. No, I just just look, you know, like say if it's thirty years down the road. I mean, I, 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 it would be cool to to find out like how things how things have gone, you know, in the last in the the next thirty years with not only me but our marriage, my 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 kids and and all that stuff, and just see, you know, what's going on there. I like it. Uh, a couple more here. Sandpaper as toilet paper or hot sauce as eye drops. Oh man. <laughs> well I would say the hot sauce because I I feel like that would go away faster. Um, you think it would? I I think. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea, but uh I feel like you know that that would if it de- as long as it doesn't do any damage, I don't. You know, if it's just stings, uh, I feel like I I would rather deal with that than the other. That's fair. I, okay, we'll give you two other ones here. Okay. Fight one duck-sized horse or a hundred. Uh, fight one horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses. Uh, one horse-sized duck. And you would just go mono e mono, give them like yeah. a white hook or something. Yeah, I mean, because you know, I, I'm not. I've never been in a fight, so that's probably why you know. Like I probably probably couldn't even handle the 
the horse sized duck and, but <laughs> let, let alone, you know, handle a hundred of them, hundred small ones. That, that would be, yeah, they'd be a little annoying pests. I guess we'll, <laughs> you haven't been in a fight, but I'm going to stay with the fight for the last one. Okay. You got to fight Mike Tyson one time or you have to talk like him the rest of your life. Oh, I talk like him. <laughs> if I fought him, like I, I probably wouldn't be able to talk anymore. Like, I mean, I, he'd probably knock me senseless and something wouldn't be right after that. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't, uh, I couldn't imagine, you know, but, um, you know, the guy in hangover took his punch. So I don't That's know. That's true. You Just know. ask him for uh, inspiration. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, on that note, Russ, really appreciate you joining the show today. We we appreciate your time and thank you for all your answers and everything that you gave us today. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, this and, is uh, great. Yeah, thanks, guys. Of course, man. And and before we get out of here, can you please anything you want our audience to know where they can find you on social media, projects you're doing, anything like that that you want to leave our audience? Uh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, on uh, Instagram, I'm Russ Ortiz forty eight. Uh, and on Twitter, um, OU Russ, um, I mean, mostly you'll, you'll find stuff about Oklahoma, Oklahoma football, stuff like that. Um, <laughs> and my family and just, just fun things, you know, I don't mix it up really. It just, um, but I love, you know, people asking me questions and, um, and all that. And so I try to get back to everybody that I can, you know, which you, you reached out and, uh, saw that. And so, you know, just try to get back to you, you know, when I could in a timely fashion so we can set this up. And so, um, so yeah, it's great. You never know who you're going to meet, you know, and I've gotten to meet some other celebrities, you know, that I, uh, like through social media because I like their stuff or made a comment and they've heard my name because they're baseball fans. And so, you know, you end up connecting that way. So it's, so it's pretty cool. So I'm always looking at it as like, you never know who you're going to meet. And uh, what can come out of it? So I I try to use social media in that way. Yeah, and you're again very courteous to to respond. I mean, you can write to people and they don't even necessarily respond. So let alone responding. Yeah. In fact, and, and coming on, it's always appreciated. Make sure yeah. you're following Russ if you're not already. We may maybe down the road have to have you back if your game to do uh, maybe like a pizza tasting type of thing. <laughs> we could do like a, we could have like a I little rating it. scale. Well, it's like uh, the guy on Barstool does. I was like, man, I was like, yeah. That's what I was like. I should have thought about that first because <laughs> uh, I would love to do that. You know, could you imagine just going around and saying, hey, I'd, you know, love to taste your pizza and, and tell people, you know, how much I like it. And, I mean, I would, that's that's a great gig right there. But so, yeah, I'd love to do that. <laughs> well, we maybe have to make it happen. But again, follow Russ on all his socials. Make sure you check out all the great stuff he's doing. And appreciate your time and everybody that's listening watching however you watch triple play fantasy appreciate you guys we'll have more interviews with players more fantasy baseball analysis all that great stuff